welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including it has been clear for a long time that major NCAA rules were broken by the NC State men's basketball program during the Mark Gottfried era. We knew that this day would come at some point. It is now official. The notice of allegations has arrived in Raleigh. You have a lot of questions. I can answer most of them as we dive into a whole bunch of other things as well involving our state, our great nation, and even internationally. There are goats everywhere at Wimbledon. I mean everywhere. The women's singles bracket, the men's singles bracket. Just as we were able to bring you JP Della Camera, the voice of the Women's World Cup live from French soil. We will bring you tennis writer for the Associated Press live from English soil at the All England Club in Wimbledon, London. Howard Fendrich is going to drop by. He's been a great tennis writer for a long time for the Associated Press. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, because I know some of you are at work and may want to catch these matches a little bit later. But the women's GOAT, Serena Williams, did play earlier today. And let's just say, spoiler alert, she will get to play again in the championship match. She is seeking to extend her record in the open era of 23 Grand Slam singles titles. Remember, she is 37 years old. She has given birth after a complicated pregnancy. It has been two and a half calendar years since she added to her list of Grand Slam singles titles. We don't know how many more she's going to have as she's in her late 30s. She was dominant earlier today. One more match is all it will take. Just remember that after her comeback, Serena has been in championship matches at majors twice, and she has lost both of those. She has failed to add to the number 23. More on that story as, of course, three of maybe the three greatest tennis players of all time are still alive in the men's semifinals. They go back at it tomorrow. You all know the stories by now of Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer. They are three of the final four. Federer and Nadal will have to go head-to-head -head tomorrow. The number one seed, Djokovic, gets a guy named Roberto Batista Agut. Somebody from that big three, if you will, in all likelihood, will take the Wimbledon title again this year. How's this for a crazy number? Dating to 2005. That is 14 calendar years ago. Dating to 2005. The big three of Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic have won 50 of the last 58 majors. Three men, 50 major titles, eight for everybody else combined over a 14-year period. That theme is likely to continue as week two of Wimbledon continues. Howard Fendrich from the Associated Press live from Wimbledon. Tom Haberstroh from NBC Sports, one of our favorites. Proud product of Wake Forest, among other things. We'll talk a little bit of a lot of basketball, college pro, even NC State and the Dennis Smith Jr. related allegations. Todd Lewis is going to drop by. Remember, we still have a week to wait for the fourth and final major golf championship of this calendar year. But the British Open does begin competitive play one week from today. We know that one-time Open Championship victor John Daly 
has withdrawn. He is not. He requested a cart. That request was denied by the Royal and Ancient. He said he couldn't play because he's not healthy healthy enough to walk. 18 holes, perhaps over four consecutive days each. Uh, the John Deere Classic is underway on the PGA Tour this week. That's in Illinois. The big one, the British Open, next weekend with Tiger and Brooks Kepka and all of the other big names and those big storylines back into play. Todd Lewis of the Golf Channel will join us. Second hour, Tom Haberstrow. Third hour on hoops, Howard Fendrich. Third hour on tennis. You can jump in. We, of course, will allow your questions and comments on the Wolfpack News. I would say it's a good news, bad news situation. Which do you want first? Good news is that the Wolfpack is the latest to vote. Yeah, you know, we would like alcohol at our college sporting events. So I'll drink to that, if you will. The bad news, of course, is this NCAA stuff. Among the questions I've gotten from listeners so far, many of them identifying themselves as Wolfpack fans, should they expect a miracle now that we know that NC State University has hired the same law firm that some people saw as miraculously saving UNC after the AFAM scandal. Remember, the Heels got no sanctions whatsoever. Some, something was rotten in the state of Denmark academically as it bled into the athletics program in Chapel Hill. But in the end, the NCAA couldn't apply its rules to punish the Tar Heels. There were no sanctions, zero. After all that talk, we told you that that was the likely ending there. We'll tell you the answer to that question. Should the Wolfpack expect a miracle? The way some saw that same law firm perform a miracle after UNC lawyered up in the AFAM scandal context. You can jump in with your question or comment shortly in hour number one, 1-800-849-2761. Why can the NCAA just piggyback on the evidence that the FBI gathered, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This is criminal stuff, right? Well, they dove into college basketball. Not everybody thought that was appropriate, but they did. So the question came up from a Wolfpack fan. I remember when the NCAA wasn't allowed to just take evidence from a legal case or an FBI investigation or any outsiders. It all had to come from within. What's going on, DG? Is this a conspiracy against my Wolfpack? I will answer that question as well. How long is this likely to take? Should you as a Wolfpack fan expect a verdict, whatever that might be? Some say sledge, sledgehammer, right? Hey, coaches were involved in making sure Dennis Jr.'s family got paid. I mean, they bought a player, basically. The details are still being argued over, but there's all sorts of evidence that the Wolfpack purchased a player. Remember when Dennis Smith Jr. signed with NC State? We heard a lot about, wait a minute, it's hard. If you're not the highest profile program, how do you beat out Duke and Kentucky and others for a superstar player who happens to be based in Fayetteville, North Carolina? You know, that's a head scratcher sometimes when that happens. Now, frequently it's totally legitimate, and sometimes it's because, well, they paid him and his family. Well, that's how they got him. Will Mark Godfried, former Wolfpack coach, be able to keep his current job at Cal Northridge given his place as a central figure in all of that? And what about the current pack? Kevin Keats had nothing to do with any of these shenanigans. Do the current players and coaches have to worry about any sanctions that would complicate them, either this season or next season or the year after that? Obviously, postseason ban would do that. S scholarship reductions would do that. Other forms of sanctions would just be looking backward. 
Most Wolfpack fans I know say, oh, we have to vacate that horrible season when Dennis Smith Jr. was here? Uh, no problem. We actually would like to vacate some of the biggest losses that we had that season. There was some hide-your-eyes losses to some arch rivals. Yeah, can we please vacate that one and pretend it never happened? Of course, it's not that simple. You have questions, we have answers. Did you know that sports gambling continues to extend all over our great nation? And it actually keeps getting closer to reality here in the great state of North Carolina. We, as a state, are only, I'd say, dipping our toes into sports gambling. You might not even know right now, there are a couple places where you can gamble in our state. Now, you got to travel to the southwest portion of our state. Like, in one case, you almost have to get to either the Georgia borderline or the Tennessee border just to find a legal place to gamble in our great state. The, we're getting closer to allowing sports gambling in our state in a way that has never happened before. You're all aware now of the Supreme Court case that basically said to Nevada, there is no legal basis for you having this monopoly on most forms of sports gambling. So in case you didn't know, we're up to eight states that already have various forms, and I mean extensive forms, of sports gambling. So seven joined Nevada, jumping on board as soon as they could after that Supreme Court case. There are about seven or eight states that have said, no way, this is not for us. In fact, you could picture this, Utah is one of the seven or eight. You really, like it's written into the law and the state constitution, we will not have gambling here. And they're a neighbor, practically, of the great state of Nevada, right? So you have eight that already have it, Nevada and seven others. You have seven that say, no way, Jose. And then you have the District of Columbia and 35 states in between that are more like us. We don't have it yet, but there are 35 states, including ours, that have proposed legislation that would allow us to join that club. I'll bring you up to date on that as you can chime in on the wisdom of such things, or I know some of you are against it. A bill has already been passed in the North Carolina Senate. The House has already cast what they call a voice vote, yes. They still have to do the, the uh, true affirmative vote technically speaking, for this to get to Governor Cooper's desk. But we are getting closer and closer to the reality of more of sports gambling, just an extension of the gambling that already exists in Murphy, North Carolina, and Cherokee, North Carolina. If you're in the triangle where I am, think of about a five- or six-hour drive to get there. If you, even if you're in Charlotte, seriously, it's a three- or four-hour drive. It's that far west in the southwestern corner of our state, the two places that you can legally gamble and soon legally gamble on sports. More on that story and your input during the course of today's programs. We have, we have some U.S. women's national team and equal pay type soccer leftovers. They got a parade in New York City yesterday morning. They were honored as the team of the year at the ESPYs last night. You can chime in pro or con on that. We have Todd Lewis on golf, Tom Haberstroh on basketball, Howard Fendrich live from Wimbledon as we offer you your platform to jump in and as we get to those headlines on the other side. We may or may not have a classic sports movie challenge today. Shout out to those who correctly guessed The Sandlot Tuesday and Caddyshack 
yesterday. They are two of the 50 sports movies voted by our statewide audience long ago as the greatest sports movie of all time. Great work by intern Will on The Sandlot and intern Philip on Caddyshack. That one was just yesterday. We not only give you the audio, you tell us the name of the movie, you get your pick of prizes, but the interns have been dazzling us with all sorts of little-known but often fascinating details about how those movies were made, who turned down the offer to be this high-profile character that is legendary today, and that actor or actress is still kicking her himself or herself all these years later that they turned something down. Sometimes it's just dollars. Did you know that the Sandlot's budget was only $7 million? And yet they've made, either at the box office or through DVD and other sales, more than $100 million. Great tidbits from intern Will and intern Philip. We may have time for a classic sports movie challenge today. You can jump in on those other topics. The Wolfpack and the NCAA, sports gambling in North Carolina, alcohol at college sporting events in North Carolina. We'll get to soccer. We'll get to Wimbledon. And my question of the day for you is this. If you are a sports fan who not only likes to observe things, as I do, but you might like to participate in things. If you have any firsthand experience like what Josh Norman, the former Panthers cornerback, just experienced this week, I would love for you to share your story with your fellow sports fans across North Carolina today. If you had not seen this headline, the former Panthers corner, Josh Norman, just took part in the famous running of the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain. Now, I imagine were I a family member or definitely his agent wondering about his percentage of future contract money, or I don't know, the Washington Redskins, I don't know if he asked for permission. I'm not sure exactly what's in his contract along these lines, what's prohibited, what's allowed, what are you jeopardizing if you get hurt during the running of the Bulls. If you have had a first-person sports-style experience that comes anything close to the thrill of a lifetime. As Josh Norman described his experience, he actually said, this is one of the greatest days of my life. After the traditional running of the Bulls that I think all of us have seen on TV at some point, there's additional video of Josh Norman leaping over a bull inside a bull ring. Now, remember, the running is down like the streets of Pamplona. I mean, you can duck into the bakery if you really panic and you want to just jump off to the side, right? Beyond, Josh did that and then went to the bull ring to entertain people even more. By the way, the running of the bulls has become a nine-day event, and why not? If you're Pamplona, Spain, what are you known for besides that? Nothing. Why not turn it into a nine-day festival so far this year? Five people have been gored by bulls, even as Josh Norman has been leaping over those animals, and even he says, this is the greatest day of my lifetime. No word on whether the bulls speak trash talk the way Josh Norman is infamous for doing. You can chime in. Josh says it's the greatest day of his lifetime or one of them. If you've had anything like it, maybe you've been personally to the running of the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain. Share your story today at 1-800-849-2761. What's going to happen to the Wolfpack? Why is the New York Police Department investigating a threat against 
Megan Rapinoe of the U.S. Women's National Team. I will elaborate on those stories. I'll bring you up to date on Wimbledon, which is giving a tennis fan absolutely everything he or she could possibly ask for as this year's event is coming down to its final days and final matches. More on those stories. Mike and Kerry wants to be first up. We have intern Philip representing App State, intern Will representing William Peace. Those two are, of course, confirmed superstars given their performances in the classic sports movie challenge these last two days. Intern Tommy and Sam represent UNC. Intern Drew represents Elon University. They will be the first voice you hear. One of them will be when you dial 1-800-849-2761. More on Josh Norman, Wimbledon, the NBA, the U.S. Women's National Team, equal pay included. Your questions, your comments. Could NCAA sanctions affect the modern-day basketball Wolfpack, or is this likely to be just a slap at what has already been put into the record books during the brief Dennis Smith Jr. era. I'll answer some of your questions as we invite more. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. Love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show. Wish I could have stayed a second year, but I had, a, I had other things to do, so thank you. Little Zion Williamson live on stage last night at the ESPY Awards. We have a question allowing for your statewide participation. We have a Josh Norman-inspired different question of the day for Wolfpack fans today we ask this what do you care about now that you know your school has received the notice of allegations from the NCAA it's all about the Mark Gottfried era it's all about the Dennis Smith Jr. recruitment or maybe not quite all but the big stuff is all about the Dennis Smith Jr. recruitment and Orlando Early and Mark Gottfried and their roles in that recruitment and the purchasing of a player through the family with the help of a coach or coaches etc what do you care about as a Wolfpack fan and what do you not care about as a Wolfpack fan because what I hear from almost every Wolfpack fan that I know or listens to this show or tweets at us or emails us is that we don't care if we have to vacate the one lousy season where Dennis Smith Jr. was on our team. And y'all know that one of the sanctions the NCAA offers is exactly that. You vacated that year. Now, if you're Louisville and you won the NCAA title and part of your sanctions for one scandal is, yeah, that banner has to come down, that hurts a lot. If you're NC State, you did bad things. You got caught. You're dealing with this notice of allegation. We're a long way from the verdict and the sanctions, but you're going to get something. The FBI evidence is significant, and under the new rules, the NCAA is allowed to lean on that evidence. As we come to Mike and Carrie, who has, a, I think, an entertaining answer to our other question of the day, 1-800-849-2761. If you don't care about that part of the Wolfpack picture, what do you care about? Tell us at 1-800-849-2761. I will answer the various questions that I have received on that, including will the Wolfpack get the sledgehammer from the NCAA? I'll remind everybody of this. The NCAA cares about a lot of things. You can't understand NCAA compliance issues, as I have covered them for 32 years, without understanding that they care who is the bad actor. Who is the bad actor? 
Is it a Wolfpack fan someone, somewhere in Alaska that they've never seen and never met and maybe even never collected a dollar from in their booster organization? Or is it a former head basketball coach or his lead assistant? Like, one is sort of close to the heart. The other, the NCAA knows that you can't govern every last one of your fans and boosters as they're scattered all over the world. Now, they can get you in trouble. Don't get, your own, don't get me wrong. But the penalties are way more severe historically when the wrongdoer is not some nameless, faceless person halfway around the world versus somebody who collects a paycheck from your university at the time he's doing the things in violation of NCAA rules. The other things that matter, what rule was violated. In the criminal justice system, you all know there's a difference between a felony and a misdemeanor. The NCAA has big rules and small rules. This is felony-like, not misdemeanor-like. Some of the other things the Wolfpack did wrong, more misdemeanor-like. Paying to buy a player, that's a felony. That matters. How extreme was the violation? Giving somebody a parking pass worth $80 while you were recruiting them is a violation of NCAA rules. It's not extreme. Paying tens of thousands of dollars with your coaches involved, or in one case, not doing enough in the eyes of the NCAA, that's way more extreme, of course, than a meal or an $80 parking pass. You can't forget those three questions as you're evaluating what you should expect as a Wolfpack fan. Who's the bad actor? What kind of rule was violated? How extreme was the violation? Mike and Carrie is first up. You can dial 1-800-849-2761. Josh Norman inspired this question of the day. His running of the Bulls experience earlier this week in Pamplona, Spain. He not only did the run down the streets of Pamplona with the Bulls chasing. We've all seen it on TV or on YouTube or whatever. Josh Norman not only did that, he afterward went to an actual bull ring to continue the fun. And there's video of him leaping over a bull inside the bull ring. At the end of it all, Josh Norman of the Redskins, formerly of your Carolina Panthers, posted on social media that it was, quote, one of the greatest days of my lifetime. If you have had a firsthand experience, it does not have to be the running of the bulls. If you have had a firsthand experience that you ended up calling in the sports world it one of the greatest days of my entire lifetime, the way Josh Norman just described this, please share your story today at 1-800-849-2761. It is okay if you did not leap over a bull inside a bull ring on video. Mike is in Cary. I don't believe he's ever done that, although he's a creative guy. Mike, welcome to the David Glenn Show. What's going on? Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm no famous athlete in any way, shape, or form. I'm just a big sports fan who has attended many, many major events. Me too. 1965, a big year for Jack Nicklaus. I went to the Masters. I was a senior in college at the University of Georgia. I went to the Masters on a counterfeit ticket. Ooh. The, um, the governor's son counterfeited him. He got kicked off campus. <laughs> he got kicked out of school. This Young and university. bold, Mike and Carey. Young and bold. And did you get away with it? Did I get what? Did you get away with it, or were you yes. caught? Oh, yeah. I was one of a couple hundred. The The ticket is the hokiest-looking ticket you ever saw. <laughs> I still have it. Every ticket had the same number on it, and about 200 of us got in uh, under, on, with the counterfeit ticket. It was unbelievable. So and you got to see a great show, but others were caught up in the illegal activity. Yeah, that was it. 
and it was really a weird deal, but but we made it in. Did they bust? <laughs> did they best bust anybody that weekend, or did they only figure it out later? Uh, they figured it out later. Yeah, yeah, it was after the fact because yeah. we made it through, and then it was a few weeks later they found out, and boy, the kid got in trouble, and the universe, and the. Uh, fraternity gotten big time. I, I wonder, maybe you've been to the Masters a lot. I've been there a couple times. I wonder when that corner started to be turned in terms of security and counterfeit tickets, etc. I wasn't even born in 1965, so I have no idea what it looks like then. But I was there in the later 80s, and then I was again there recently. And at this point, I mean, <laughs> everything is as high tech, high class, high everything that you could possibly imagine. So your story certainly couldn't happen in 2019. I don't know if it could have happened as late as the 80s when I was there another time. How have you seen that uh, that picture change at Augusta National? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't have gotten 10, seconds, 10 feet in with, with what I've got. But it was fun. It was an interesting experience. Of course, in, I was a senior in college, and we were all drunk anyway. Exactly. So. My first Masters experience, I told a friend of mine who goes every year, he said, DJ, have you ever been to the Masters? I said, yeah, but it was a long time ago. What did you think? And I told my friend Alan, who lives here in Raleigh and is an attorney, I was like, to be honest, man, my powers of observation were a little bit impacted that weekend. And I, I really don't remember nearly as much. No, it's not like I was face-planted drunk or something. I was walking around. I was enjoying the golf. But I think most of us know that we have various stages of mental sharpness. And I frankly just – I'll put it this way. When I went a couple years ago, I felt like I remembered a thousand times more things – than I remembered through the eyes of a 20-year-old or whatever I was at the time. So I'm right there with you, Mike. Thanks for sharing your story today on the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Wolfpack fans, what do you care about? What do you not care about when it comes to the investigation of your basketball program? Should you expect a miracle because your university has hired the same law firm that saved the University of North Carolina? Do you all remember... Social media experts and tough guys were calling for the death penalty in Chapel Hill. ESPN's Jay Billis, David Glenn of the David Glenn Show, not mere coincidence, we both have legal backgrounds, and a really small handful of others were telling you it was not likely to end that way, even as some so-called experts, I remember them being quoted in the News and Observer, and I'm not going to cast stones at the News and Observer for their coverage of it entirely because, frankly, in some ways, they did award-winning work. They were quoting the wrong experts, though, as some were describing it as, you know, the sledgehammer is on the way. This is as egregious a violation and as perfect a fit for something close to the death penalty as anything we've seen since, you know, the actual SMU death penalty. That was way back in the 1980s. Well, those experts quoted by the NNO, and again, they did great work in most ways, in my opinion, as a journalist. They totally dropped the ball by relying on people like that instead of people like us who have a legal background and more detailed compliance understanding, knowing that the NCAA rules were not at all a great fit for the academic-inspired scandal in Chapel Hill. Remember, Carolina got in trouble with their accreditor, their academic accreditor, but they ended up getting no sanctions whatsoever from the NCAA, even though a lot of athletes took those bogus AFAM courses. So the question, and I, I don't blame you for asking it, should the Wolfpack expect a miracle? 
now that they've hired the same law firm that, as the saying goes, allowed UNC to, quote, lawyer up and dodge all of the sanctions. Nothing. Not a slap on the wrist, certainly not the death penalty, not a single repercussion from the NCAA itself toward the Tar Heels after what happened in Chapel Hill. The answer is no, you should not expect a miracle, and I think most of you know why. If you hand, let's say, a criminal defense attorney, right? If you hand a criminal defense attorney where they can find reasonable doubt in places A, B, C, D, and E, and they're good at their job, well, then you hand them a very winnable case. Again, the facts of the Carolina case, which might make you hold your nose because it smells bad and looks bad and is bad in some ways, the NCAA rules, and I don't expect you to know them well, but people like Jay and I saw from the beginning, this is going to be tricky. To steal the criminal justice phrase, there is, there is reasonable doubt all over the place. Well, wait a minute. It was an AFAM chair and a secretary behind it all. That's a lot different than Mark Gottfried, the coach, and his assistant Orlando Early. What, what created the scandal? Oh, it's state, in this state case, it's a basketball coach and his assistant buying a player, Dennis Smith Jr., through his family, being personally involved in such things. Oh, yeah, in Carolina's case, athletes took the AFAM classes, but it's not like Roy Williams cooked up the classes, right? That's a big difference. That's not a little difference. So you should not expect a miracle. That's not a slap at this law firm. They did brilliant work as UNC lawyered up and dodged those penalties. But this law firm was handed a case rife with reasonable doubt, and then they hit a grand slam in protecting the Tar Heels. The same law firm is not being handed a case that is rife with reasonable doubt. Now, they might be able to minimize the penalties. They'll come up with creative arguments to dodge this or that or minimize this or that. That's what good law firms do. But when your client, again, in the criminal justice case, well, let's see. Uh, the knife used in the murder was found at his house, and it has his fingerprints and blood all over it. And the victim's blood is also all, all over the knife. And then you start adding layers to that, right? At some point, a defense attorney knows, even if his client doesn't say so or her client doesn't say so. Yeah, my guy did it. Right. And my job is to just look to put you still put up the your obligation as an attorney is to put up the best argument. Even if you know your client is guilty, you have to put up you have to force the state in that context to meet all the elements of proving a crime. And if you can creatively plant a seed of doubt in one of those jurors, even in this asking for a miracle case, well, then you're earning your money as a criminal defense attorney. What the same law firm was handed by Carolina was rife with reasonable doubt. What the same law firm is being handed by North Carolina State University is a guilty client. Can they minimize the damage? That is what is reasonable to ask for because it's certainly not going to be a miracle. 1-800-849-2761. Wolfpack fans, what do you care about? What do you not care about? We'll take your questions and comments at 1-800-849-2761. And who else has a run-in of the Bulls type story? Josh Norman just did that in Pamplona, Spain. The Redskins cornerback called it one of the greatest days of my lifetime. Has the sports world 
ever allowed you to have one of the greatest days of your lifetime because you actually participated in something, maybe not the running of the Bulls, but something else that leaps to mind. 1-800-849-2761. It is Storytelling Day on our statewide syndicated platform. You can be next with that call, question, or comment. Three great guests later. Todd Lewis on the upcoming British Open. He's with the Golf Channel. Tom Haberstroh on all things basketball. He's with NBC Sports. And Howard Fendrich is going to join us live from the All England Club in Wimbledon as Serena Williams has a shot at another Grand Slam singles title. And as the three greatest men's tennis players of all time, arguably, Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic are three of the four still standing in the men's singles bracket. Those three guests are later. More of your calls now, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Todd Lewis on golf later, British Open one week away. Tom Haberstroh on hoops later from NBC Sports. Howard Fendrich joins us live from Wimbledon as we go to Brian and Raleigh, who has a question on the Wolfpack situation with the NCAA. It's storytelling day, and since former Panthers corner Josh Norman shared his greatest day of a lifetime or one of them after he participated in the running of the bulls in pamplona spain earlier this week that's how he described it one of the greatest days of my lifetime if you have a first person experience does not have to be a running of the bulls to share that turned into one of the greatest days of your lifetime please share your story today with your fellow citizens and sports fans of north carolina 1-800-849-2761 quick tidbit on wimbledon as we go to brian and others 1-800-849-2761 in the history of the sport of tennis and this category of course leans modern because money has mushroomed from the old days till now the four biggest prize money winners put aside all those endorsements for watches and attire and shoes and rackets and headbands and everything else i mean you have earned this money on the court the four greatest prize money winners in the history of tennis by a lot are all still alive at wimbledon and think of these numbers Novak Djokovic just is just on the court. Almost all of this is just singles. Some of these folks do a little bit of doubles or mixed doubles, but this is like 99% singles money. Novak Djokovic has made $132 million on the tennis courts. He, of course, won a four still standing in the men's semis. Roger Federer is second on this all-time tennis list, male or female, any era. $125 million just in prize money. Rafael Nadal is third, $110 million. And then Serena Williams is actually fourth. So Serena Williams has made more prize money than all but three men's tennis players in the history of the world. Now, she's way, way above all other women ever. But she's ahead of, you know, Andy Murray and uh, Pete Sampras and uh, Andre Agassi and other folks of relatively modern times whose names you would recognize. All four of the biggest prize winners in the history of the sport are still alive. Serena is in the final against Simona Halep 
And the other, the big three actually have to go head-to-head. In one case, it's Nadal against Federer tomorrow in the semis. And then it's Novak Djokovic, the number one seed at Wimbledon this year, against a guy named Roberto Batista Agut. You can't ask for more as a tennis fan from this year's Wimbledon. It's one of the reasons we're having Howard Fendrich from the other side of the pond. You had Coco Golf, the 15-year-old, as one of the greatest stories of all. You had Serena already you know, bouncing back from this pregnancy, and she says, hey, you guys haven't had a baby before. It's complicated to get back to elite athlete shape, right? And I believe her. She chose to do mixed doubles with Andy Murray, who's like a superhero in the United Kingdom. So one of their favorite winners, Serena, seven-time Wimbledon champion, with one of their own, Andy Murray, they paired together in a mixed doubles pairing. Now, they've been eliminated by now, so all of Serena's energies are on the women's singles competition. But that was one of the other biggest headlines beyond who wins and who loses. And now you have Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, and Williams. There are six people still standing at Wimbledon in the singles events, and four of those six are basically the greatest tennis players of all time. Brian and Raleigh, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thanks, DJ. Sure. Um... So Serena's a state fan. I guess they've got a good source of income for their next player. But um, I did want to ask, um, is there anything that can happen to Gottfried now? Um, Dennis Smith Jr. got his punishment. You know, he got sent to the next. <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> that is I mean, a, that is a punishment. In that, but what can happen to Gottfried now, and, yeah. um, if anything, and how yeah. should that impact states? degree of punishment as and, well. and by the way those who forget you know dennis smith jr and his family were not gone after by the fbi the fbi was going after middlemen who were you know in some cases assistant coaches in some cases shoe executives etc uh they're going after middlemen they were not the fbi was not going after schools the fbi was not going after the prospect or the young player up-and-coming player or even their families they were involved in the evidence because they needed that evidence to prove their cases in criminal court against those middlemen, so to speak. The, the answer to your Mark Godfrey question is absolutely he can deal with repercussions. Now, remember, he's, he's only an accused right now. And he does have, I'll just tell you, one little road to possibly denying things. The long story short is, the way modern NCAA rules work, and I hate to say this to Wolfpack fans because it just sounds fair, unfair and is unfair and the timing matters so much, and I, I just hate that it worked out this way. But if this case came down the pike two years ago, the rule was, NCAA, you have to do your own investigations. Now, you, you're able to read, of course, and if there's printed reports about a lawsuit or a legal case or a, a federal government investigation. You know how to read. You're allowed to look at that stuff, but then you have to conduct your own investigation. The NCAA changed its rules relatively recently to, oh, yeah, if there's a lawsuit or there's this government investigation, you're allowed to take their evidence as your own. Now, you still have to do other footwork, legwork, but – that's a big change. That's not a small change. Good luck if it was up to only the NCAA. Do you think all these middlemen would have answered their phone calls? Heck no. Now, they would have been an interview, able to interview assistant coaches, anyone who's on a payroll at an NCAA member, but you wouldn't have had most of the best evidence, right? Because those folks don't have to return your phone calls if you're the NCAA. You better return the phone call or at least plead the fifth 
when government attorneys come after you, okay? So that, that just hurts. It just hurts the Wolfpack's case. A little caveat there is that if the evidence the FBI collected did not make it into the public record, the NCAA is not allowed to use it. And some of the worst damning evidence on Mark Godfrey personally fit the description of, oh, yeah, the FBI has it. People have even written about it. But it didn't make it into the body of work that became part of the official record of those criminal cases, okay? So why is Orlando Early accused one way by the NCAA, but Mark Godfrey's accused of failure to monitor and, and create an atmosphere of compliance. That's still a serious charge, by the way. That's a felony-type level charge for a basketball coach. They don't have all the evidence against Gottfried. It looks like they have all the evidence they need against Orlando Got, uh, early. Now, if you're Cal Northridge, my opinion is, and this is just an opinion, you can agree or disagree, I'd have fired Mark Gottfried when I started reading media reports. Like, hey, Mark... You either tell me what happened or you're fired because the, the evidence is damning. It's one thing to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. That's not what we're doing here. It's another thing to just use your common sense. And any, any fair reading of the evidence, to me, would lead any intelligent person to the conclusion that Mark Gottfried and Orlando Early are guilty of violating NCAA rules. Now, again, he could do his own version of lawyering up but if you're Cal Northridge, are you going to just say, well, as long as he lawyers up and maybe he dodges this charge or that charge, he's still about allowed to be my head coach. Don't ever claim that you have not sold your soul entirely if you really retain Mark Gottfried with the mountain of evidence out there that he was violating some of the most important rules that the NCAA has. And, yes, it will impact NC State that two people on their payroll – are for now accused, and I don't think it's going to be hard to prove, we're violating major NCAA rules. Of course, NC State is going to be one of the parties left holding that bag. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> uh, you know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Golfers are allowed to use a supplement derived from a hemp plant. Who knew? British Open is one week away. John Daly's not even allowed to play in a tournament. He just, he won long ago. Todd Lewis of the Golf Channel. Next. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. <laughs> 